Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one. Humans welcome in my drush grace. The sign up in front transmitted its message into several hundred languages, languages as diverse as chittering of the Uri and the chemical exchange that somehow functioned as a sort of pseudo-language for the Penentai. But whatever language was transmitted in, it seemed to receive a strange response. Humanity, welcome, it said. A floating sign carefully positioned at the most likely entrance to the ship dock center that served as a remote lane of intergalactic travel. It stood out because of the fact that humans, unlike most of the well-established species in the Intergalactic Senate, were usually seen as nuisances. They were the newest species to enter the Senate, and a great deal of fuss had been made in attempting to keep them out. No new species had entered it so long that it was only the rarest, longest-living species had any record of when it last happened, a time that equated to perhaps 230 to 240 sodas years earlier. And unlike that species, humans had not simply shown up from far away, already advanced, already cultured, developed, and accustomed to interspecies communication. No, humans had shown up unable to communicate, wasting decades of other species' time trying to establish themselves in the intergalactic markets, only to find that they lacked the majority of skills and technology that they would be viewed as useful. A fair number became part of the entertainment markets, Humans, of course, having a talent for storytelling in nearly all formats, but they were generally treated as a subgroup, less than worthy. So, to find a shop allowing humans access to the main ship dock was rare, but to find one that actively welcomed them, it had actually driven away more than a few customers. And the fact that it had enough capacity to do so was astonishingly informative about how seriously other species took oppression and insults they threw in the direction of humans. After all, to be driven away from a ship dock, driven to sheer distance adding the waste in time and energy, and the potential for whatever had driven them to the dock in the first place, getting worse or causing trouble before the nearest more agreeable dock could be located. It was a shock. Still, so it was true... More true, though, was the fact that this deliberate choice to invite in humanity, the Pelurian who around the shop had a strange liking for humans, a liking his daughter found to be one of the greatest flaws in her father's entire world outlook. Her father, the ship dock owner, was named something that didn't translate well, perhaps because Pelurians used poetry that lost much of its meaning in defining their own names or perhaps simply because he preferred to go by a nickname, and therefore tended not to respond quickly when people called him by his actual name. Whatever the reason, the name they called him translated into human speech phonically close to Pop, both for the popping sound of his name made when he pronounced it and in his own Purian tongue, and the strange chance occurrence because he was literally called Pop or Pops by his daughter who helped run the ship dock center here in the intergalactic edges in an effort to seem relaxed and friendly, using nicknames and being calm instead of the formal sort of way most other species saw her kind. Dwalanel at Oerda, or as the others preferred to call her, simply Uod, or Uod. It's currently complaining angrily to her father with another ship took off without repairs or a spot check. 
After seeing the sign, the little white ship had sent a rude signal to the comms unit and flown away. Obviously, offended by the thought that the ship might be repaired by anything that was contaminated by a human vessel. But because it left and wasn't repaired or spot checked, that meant that the dock wasn't going to see even a partial credit for the labors today. These were the daily little processes by which the ship dock's automated scanning and repair operations made its own living. And yet, once again, the thrice-damned sign had projected that annoying human-friendly message that had forced potential customers away. Yuod strode behind her father, yelling into the comms unit in his exposed suit about every human ship we've seen together wouldn't make up the money we've lost in the half-year relative to the current orbital position of the lost ship commerce. She repeated herself, changing the words, but not the message, and stormed off after Pop as he launched himself into the exposure suit out into the ship who had taken off, and began the repetitive calming procedure of using laser cleaner and cleanse the angrily launched ship's liftoff stains from the launch pad. Waving the little tool back and forth, each pass cleaning another microscopic layer of carbonized material off the pad's surface. Pop listened to Yuan's annoyance, but kept a pleasant, unassuming smile on his face. Or, more accurate, the mandible expression that in his species was almost closely analogous to such a human expression. He didn't seem bothered by the lost customer. He knew there would be a massive loads of ore and refinery runners coming from the retreating nebula cluster half a system off. And of late, that had led him to a fairly consistent, if not always terribly agreeable employment. Even if you had moved onto her newest gripe, you could just take down the sign anyhow. I mean, the humans would still come, wouldn't, wouldn't want to prevent them. There is no reason to have the sign. It upsets the rest of the species. A small, metallic sheened up ship was popping out into the visible space overhead and slowly dropped down into the near dock space, where the dock's automated touchdown sensors would guide the ship safely to the nearest clear landing pad which, of course, could be any pad at all, given the lack of customers at present. And that made you add angry. It was, in fact, a human ship. These were always obvious from their strange designs, aesthetically unpleasant forms designed for pure function as a result of humanity's inability to transcend such necessities due to the still limited knowledge. As it landed, it hailed the proprietor of the dock, sending a quick message of appreciation to find the Haven site so far out in near human space. Haven sites were where the humans term for those fortunate locations that allowed human vessels assistance or even temporary acceptance, rare enough in the outer galaxy space that they now inhabited. Pop responded with his normal answer, no thanks needed, young ones. When the ship dock's automated system started quizzing the humans about which services they'd need, Yuad finally shut up. Of course, she hadn't been transmitting her communications to the human ship, so they didn't know that she'd been ranting for most of the while, but Pop finally got the moment of blessed silence in which he too stared at the display of the exposure suit, which explained Yuad's silence. They wanted repair services, access to the oxygen-laden living environment for equivalent to three to five days, depending on service time, and most expensively, and interestingly, they requested assistance for medical assistance and emergency response for two of the crew aboard the ship. Even before the credit cleared the system, Pop had told the computer to permit the human's permission, which resulted in several dozen automated responses from the dock to occur. First hundreds of almost invisibly small bots were released into the thin atmosphere surrounding the human ship, 
the bots being the docks method of scanning and beginning the minute repairs down to the near atomic level of detail. But more interestingly was the larger set of robotic creatures sprinting from the hatch at the base of the dock's massive external wall. The large robotic figures carried several opaque, bubble-like items within their appendages, and they rapidly ran into the human ship, screening the airlock from the side and retreating moments later. The humans had offloaded whatever two of their number were injured into the pods, which would now head back into the docks innermost and most complex systems where the medical data of every currently well-known sentient species in the galaxy was stored. The dock would almost definitely save them, but it was a rare, rare feature of the dock. It uh, cost an unbelievable amount, not only because of the difficulty in keeping the necessary equipment on hand to handle a medical care for so many diverse species and with diverse needs, but because access to a database of information required the medical data a costly purchase in itself. The most ship dock system simply couldn't enable this feature, but Pop did it, if only because he was so far away from other docks and didn't like the feeling of being responsible for his dock were to fail and ultimately kill someone. While that excitement continued, Yuad chased the retreating robots back towards the dock door and inside. Pop knew that she would try and ensure that the humans had only included the two wounded no more, trying to get a cheaper medical care. In a strange bias against humans, somehow completely ignored the fact that the system would have registered more than two creatures in the rescue pods if that had been the case. Prop, however, turned to stare at the ship. A stream of perhaps a dozen humans exited in their own rather primitive-looking and surprisingly unwieldy exposure suits. Knowing enough of human behavior to wave them over, Pop led the silent group towards the top level of the dock, where different living environments could be generated by the system in accordance with the selected needs. As the humans had selected the environment similar to the home world, even the now the dock had prepared a space for them with 21% oxygen, 78% nitrogen, and 1% diffuse inert gas environment, which Pop knew were ready was the dock's way of rationalizing the occasional argon. Helium and methane slow leak between the occupants' pods. He talked to them briefly and showed them to their chambers, but they couldn't talk back. Their suits could talk to the ship computer and one another, but it didn't know how to automatically patch into Pop's comms unit, even if the comms unit could automatically patch into theirs. It wasn't until they were inside, disrobed and out of their exposure suits, and were doing a whole mess of strange human gestures and bowing and extending their thumbs upwards, all towards Pop's whose own body could endure this strange atmosphere without much ill effect, suit or not, and he understood the reality of the human's arrival. The story quickly came out, with the exhausted-looking human happily sharing the tale with his strange dock owner and not only allowed access to his machines, but seemed to want to make it clear that this transmission sign over the dock entrance that he accepted humans. They told him that they had been in the same nebula system that he knew nearly every race had been sent some portion of the miners to, and they had been run across a damaged ship. For aliens, they admitted they didn't know what sort, and their ship data didn't contain the species database to guide them in their discovery. They had been alive on the ship, which was ignored by the passing transport ships even as their humans boarded it. No one was stopping, as the injured ship appeared to be the only one of its kind in the area, and the other ships were ignoring the distress signal, not recognizing the ship as one of their own. Pop, in his own way, understood. The nebula was an enormous distance to travel to, requiring a great investment, and the ships would only have limited space. 
stopping to collect an unknown species that might be injured themselves, taking up space in their own ships, all to help someone else was in fact a competitor in the nebula mining operation, was simply not a smart choice. Harsh or not, it was better to let them die, and perhaps then, once their ship was confirmed no life was aboard and now empty ship, check the holds for supplies, then, and only then, maybe you'd consider doing the polite thing and sending the ship's signal to set to its home world to know that it was still out here, with no crew, so no one would be waiting uncertainly at home. Even that wasn't always guaranteed, since it might result in a signal coming back requesting you to tow the ship back, or demanding evidence that you hadn't caused whatever had destroyed the ship itself, which might lead to a legal battle and complicated mess. The long story short, the wisest thing to do was to leave the injured ships and accept that those as one of the risks of being out here in the darker reaches. But the humans hadn't done so. They'd gone onto the injured ship, analyzed the atmosphere and board and foodstuffs, trying to make sure that they could partition off a small section of their own vessel and recreate the environment as closely as possible. Then they offloaded the now only three living aliens, one died almost as soon as the humans boarded, into their own ship and sprinted to the nearest dock center. It hadn't been Popstock, the first they'd come to had been sent off, even after they'd offered just to drop the aliens off and cover the medicals, never letting a single human off the ship and the dock itself. The owner's response had been to warn them that they would leave now, or be blown to molecular bits, and they headed for the next dock, which was less aggressive, but didn't have medical enabled at his ship dock system. Luckily, that dock owner, Pop, had an idea that might be a dock the next half-sector over, and suggested that if they were in need of a haven dock, a human-friendly one with full medical, and they could come here. And although the third alien that the humans had rescued had passed in the hour or so before they'd landed here, the two remaining members of the alien crew were obviously going to be fine now, seeing that this was a medical-enabled dock. Pop let his mandibles twist into what he knew was the human saw as a sort of mimic of smiling. In his own people, the look was more of an extreme disgust, but he knew that humans seemed to like the smiling mandible face, so he supplied it. As he told them that he was glad to have them and was impressed at their story, the humans waved his compliances aside, asking only whether their credits was enough for a full five-day stay. The duration it would take to get the injured aliens back on board their ship and bring them home or whatever it would last for three days' stay, duration required for a full ship scan and repair process. Bob told them not to worry, their credits were more than enough, and once he noticed that one of the older-looking humans yawning in the back had a little cluster, he excused himself, suggesting that they get some rest while the dark soared to the ship, and prepared whatever nutritional items they might need. They thanked him profusely, acting as though he was doing them some kind of favor and let them pay an extravagant price to save two creatures that they had no ties to, no obligations to protect. He was, as always, seemed to be amused and a bit touched by the way the young species seemed to connect at an emotional level with every other creature they passed, however strange and even potentially aggressive. By the time he had navigated down to the medical quarters, finding Uad watching his two aliens were cared for, on sight, both she and Pop immediately knew that they were Lulpons, one of the three species recently charged with human hunting, a revolting pastime that involved capturing and raising infant humans and for the eventual sport of hunting. Pop was tempted in that moment to turn the doc's medical system off, 
but decided if the humans were told of the actions of the other lolpons and made the decision, then and only then would he do so. It was, uh, after all, their money paying for the scare. He was lost in these thoughts as Yua had turned to him and met his gaze with an irritated intensity. Even as the worst words spilled from her mouth, he knew that she was angry. You left your comms on, you know. She was referring not to his suit's comm unit, but to the one every dock owner had implanted near whatever they used for communication, which in this case was a thickly mandibled mouth. It could be mentally controlled and limited degree, allowing dock owners to communicate with employees in a crisis, and was once aspect of the ship dock system he used the least often. Pop didn't argue. He'd done so, and he'd done so on purpose. You had continued, I can't turn off the dock comms, you know, and I couldn't even mute your stupid discussion. It's pretty rude, trying to manipulate me. Bob again didn't respond. He felt that she wasn't finished yet, and after a brief moment of silence, she was proven right. But yeah, I heard. I heard. And apparently those idiots upstairs don't even know Lalpan when they see one. If they knew, I bet they wouldn't have been so high and mightier. Wouldn't have tried to play the hero like that. I mean, you know why they saved them, don't you? A human miner isn't going to carry away anything too valuable. But saving an injured ship, you stand a chance of reward for that. Ten times as much as the miner would have made with a nebula. Don't pretend that this isn't being an altruistic, no matter what they say. Pop responded, now with a counterpoint. And when they offered to drop the Lepons off the first dock, pay the medical bills and leave themselves, how did that make money off of that, then? You had paused to think, and then she answered, We only have their word for that. They might have been spinning a story so you'd feel sorry for them and cut them a deal on the dock work. Pop answered her accusation again rather slowly. True, possible, but, well, I don't think so. I mean, I bet there are humans who do so. Every people in the galaxy has a few swindlers in their ranks, but uh, I still don't think that that's what happened. I think they told us the truth. You had narrowed her eyeslits, and her irritation manifested in a strange color changing on her mandibles, the reddish-yellow of annoyance mixed with shame. And even if they did, you didn't have to link the comms to me. I didn't need that, you know. I get it, okay? You like humans. Maybe they're not bad. It doesn't mean that we should lose money trying to be their friends. Or anything. Pop thought about it, and then a hundred responses he'd originally used to argue with Uad after she'd first protested he's putting up the pro-human sign over the ship dock entrance. But he decided for another strategy. Bine, maybe so, but you're going to go up there and tell the humans that they saved a couple of Lolpon, and that we understand that they didn't know that they were doing and we are willing not to charge them for the medical expenses if they agree to have the medical care shut down. Before the most expensive regrowth process has started, Yuad glared at him, and as she pushed past, he knew that she would probably hate him even more if the humans did decide to shut off the medical treatment. If they did, she would feel responsible, and her hatred for the humans would grow instead of diminishing. But Pop needn't have worried. The crew that had risked their fortunes to save an unknown aliens in the nebula weren't about to make the efforts that seemed wasted. And the oldest human crew member pointed out it wasn't a fair to hold Lapon responsible for the actions of others. These were just victims of circumstance, wouldn't they? A human crew want the other species to save them in the same situation. If they needed help, wouldn't they want to have the other ships look past their species and just offer aid, regardless of the humanity? 
The quiet discussion in the human pod at the top of the dock would have been impossible to hear for the pod if Uad hadn't left her own comms on, perhaps in response to his earlier manipulations. Throughout the whole process, and by the time you had returned, he could tell her muttering to herself on her own comm system that she was riled up, annoyed, and confused, all at the same time. She passed on the human discussion, acting as if she hadn't let Pop listen in to the whole discussion, and retreated to her own room, letting the dock run its various autonomous processes without oversight. For the rest of the day, and for nearly all of Pop's interactions with the humans and the other customers who came in for brief scans and headed out, Uad stayed silent. Five days later, when the humans met the little pawns who reacted first with disgust and irritation, then shame, and finally appreciation at the saviors, Uad stayed silent. It wasn't until the human ship captain thanked Pop and his dock and his hospitality that Uad spoke to this human again, and Pop was flushed with pride, practically exploding with it as she said, No, sir, thank you. We've waived the medical fees this morning. We're not going to charge you for being kind to those lulpons. I mean, uh, she pointed at the lulpons who were uneasily and still rather uncomfortably walking towards the human ship, apparently not sure what to make of their strange saviors. The captain thanked them profusely, offering her at least a small number of credits to show his appreciation. But Pop cut in, saving you out from the pain that she knew that she must be feeling having turned down good money money that the dock had earned. Fair and square. Instead, Pop thanked the captain and gave him a little pat on the head, which he quickly realized might not mean the same thing to adult humans that his interactions watching adults interacting with children might lead him to believe. Still, the human looked at strange head pats in relative dignity and thanked them again, before heading off to his ship. After they were airborne and soon leaving the atmosphere, Pop turned to Uad. You did a good thing there, I approve of it. Waving the charges, let's hope those lull pawns and any other sort that they know feel as changed as you do. Uad's voice was defensive and perhaps a touch petulant as she faced her father and snapped, I didn't change. I'm just not gonna make them pay for something they absolutely can't afford. Did you scan that ship data? If we charged them what we did owed us, they wouldn't have had enough credits to leave the ship parked overnight. Anywhere, much less than get rooms and food. Pop wanted to point out that even that display of kindness was an obvious sign of change. He'd even seen it before in others, that strange compassion that seemed to rub off humans like a disease. Or, perhaps more positively, an aura that spread whether they wanted to or not. But Pop knew better than to tease her, especially now that she was obviously annoyed at herself for having changed so very obviously, and confirming Pop's previous suspicions. They headed inside, and Pop let Uad handle the next several customers, including a ship of his own species that docked and requested a week's stay in respite. But he couldn't help but from laughing, forgetting that he'd left his comms unit on, when the recently landing ship captain said, An awful funny sign you got there. Wouldn't expect you to let a lesser being study your dock, a self-respecting lady like you. The Uad replied, her voice filled with exasperation and unsuppressed irritation at the role that she had somehow found herself filling. The sign says, humans welcome, doesn't say a damn thing about you lot, so don't tempt me. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share.
And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.